to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it and it is gone. And its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. And his righteousness to children's children. To those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Would you stand with us this morning and let's bless the Lord together. If you would bow your heads with me for just a moment. Heavenly Father, we come to you as people longing for you. We long to love you the way you've loved us. We long to see you in our day to day. So God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, we don't continue to, we don't continue to fall short just relying on your grace. We move through our day longing to do your will. But we know we will and do fall short of your glory. We are so thankful that you are God. You are Father. We praise you with all that we do. We thank you that your word is true. We thank you that your love is real. We thank you that even when we do mess up, that you are there to lift us up. God, I pray for everyone in this room that they might not live a life settled for the day-to-day sins that creep into our lives, but that we would be renewed in your heart for us. I'm so thankful for you and that you are our Father. We thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you look at the screens with me at Romans 6, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may be abound? By no means. How can we who die to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into death? Into his death, excuse me. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in renewed in newness of life. The writer goes on to say, but now that you have been set free from sin, and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Hey boys and girls, where are the kids at? Raise your hands. We've got several here. (laughs) Paul raised his hand in the back. I feel that way too. Um, I like that song we just sang. Did y'all like that one? Yeah? Okay, good. (laughs) I'm going to read this story, but I want to tell you real quick that I think that song is so true that Jesus is our best friend and that he guides us and he leads us to good things. 
And um, did you know that 10 years ago today, uh, our family moved into our house here. So today's our 10th anniversary of living in Midtown and serving God here and becoming friends with all of you. So I just want you to know that if you follow Jesus, uh, he will lead you to good places and good things. So we're going to read a story today about um, that just shows us how much he loves us and how much we can trust him. So this story is called A Little Girl and a Poor Frail Lady. And it's taken, um, it's from the book of Luke in the Bible. Um, so it says, once, uh, there once was a little girl who didn't get out of bed one morning or the next or the next. In fact, she didn't get out of bed for a whole month. She was very sick and no one knew how to make her better. Jairus was her daddy and he loved her. One day, he was sitting by her bed, holding her hand, wishing there was something he could do. And he said, I know. He jumped to his feet, put on his coat, kissed his daughter, ran down the steps, 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 past the servants, out of the house, through the gates, along the road, into the town, up the steps, 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 and into the temple. He fought his way through all the people until at last he found who he was looking for. Jesus, he said, falling at Jesus' feet. My daughter, he pleaded, please. I bet he might have even been crying. He was so sad about his daughter. But he didn't need to beg because before he'd even finished speaking, Jesus reached out his hand and helped him up. I'll come at once, Jesus said. Jairus' eyes filled with tears. Jesus was coming. It would be all right. In those days, of course, they didn't have ambulances, so they had to go by foot. Jesus' helpers knew that he would heal the sick girl, but they must hurry. If Jesus didn't get there soon, it would be too late. But everyone was in the way, hustling and bustling, jostling and pressing, pushing and shoving, squishing and squashing. The disciples ran ahead, forcing back the crowd. Suddenly Jesus stopped. His friends looked back. What was he doing? Who touched me? Jesus asked because he felt power go out of him. Me, said a frail lady, looking down at the ground because she was ashamed. The poor lady had been sick for 12 years, and she had to get well. She knew if she only touched Jesus' coat, she would be healed. So she touched his coat, and instantly she was well. We don't have time, Jesus' friend said, but Jesus always has time. He reached out his hands and gently lifted her head. He looked her in the eyes and smiled. You believed, he said, wiping a tear from her eye, and now you are well. After 12 years, she was finally well. Just then, Jairus' servant rushed up to Jairus. It's too late, he said breathlessly. Your daughter is dead. Jesus turned to Jairus. It's not too late, Jesus said. Trust me. At Jairus' house, everyone was crying, but Jesus said, I'm going to wake her up. Everyone laughed at him because they knew she was dead. 
Jesus walked into the little girl's bedroom, and there lying in the corner in the shadows was the still little figure. Jesus sat on the bed and took her pale hand. Honey, he said, it's time to get up. And he reached down into death and gently brought the little girl back to life. The little girl woke up, rubbed her eyes as if she had just had a good night's sleep, and leapt out of bed. Jesus threw open the shutters and sunlight flooded the dark room. Hungry, Jesus asked. She nodded. Jesus called to her family, bring this little girl some breakfast. Jesus helped and healed many people like this. He made blind people see. He made deaf people hear. He made lame people walk. Jesus was making the sad things come untrue. He was mending God's broken world. And that's the end of our story for today. Um, I want to take a little bit of time to recognize the teachers since we're talking about our kiddos and reading the kids' story today. We have a lot of teachers here. So if you are a teacher, I know some of you are getting ready to go back to school tomorrow because, you know, the teachers have to go before the kids and get things ready. I want you to raise your hand, whether you homeschool your kids, you're at a public school, private school, raise them high. Y'all deserve to be recognized. That's a lot of people. <laughs> Let's give them a hand. We love our teachers and we appreciate uh, your ministry in your classroom. So we just want to take a few minutes to pray over you today. God, thank you that you are our healer, that you meet us where we are, and you take care of us, even when things seem hopeless. Um, God, thank you that you give us life, that you guide us and lead us to good things. Thank you that um, we have such amazing teachers in our church family, and God, I pray for them today that as they get ready to go back to school, some of them tomorrow. Um, Lord, we just pray a blessing over them. We know that their work is definitely cut out for them this year, and they, um, there's more for them to do, more that needs to be done that can actually be done in the school year. So God, we just pray that you would give them wisdom. We would pray that you would give them lots of love and patience and joy and peace and all the fruit of the Spirit as they walk into their classrooms, as they get ready to welcome children into their rooms. Lord, please use them. They are your servants and your missionaries at their schools. And so we pray that they would shine brightly for you um, on the good days and the bad days. Lord, we know that you can do that because of your Spirit in them. And so we pray that you would give them what they need each step of the way, one day at a time, and that the kids in their classrooms would feel loved, not just by them, but also by you. Um, that there would be a spirit of um, just peace and love and joy in their classrooms. Um, God, we pray for the kids as they get ready to go back to school. Just prepare them, and we pray that they would have a good year. They keep us healthy and safe, and um, that they would learn the things that they need to learn. Thank you that you're good. Thank you that you sent Jesus to um, fix all the broken things in the world. And in his, his name we pray. Amen. All right. Good morning, Mercy Hill. Grab a Bible. Turn to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. While you're turning there, um, you should have received an email from us this last week. If you didn't receive our MailChimp newsletter, let Samantha in the back know. And uh, we'll make sure that we include you on our newsletter. I updated you in saying that some, a, a small child had tested positive for COVID this last week. Someone who was in our gathering. And um, 
As you know, the CDC put out some new guidelines this last week, and so some of us were just talking this morning as we were here early, um, and it just seems like, here we go again, you know. And um, this Wednesday, Shelby County Health Department will uh, put out a new directive, and over the last year, throughout 2020, we have... um, pretty much run parallel with the directives that Shelby County Health issued. And so we'll see what those directives are this Wednesday. And we will look at our protocols in light of that. And so just wanted to keep you updated um, regarding that. I just want to say on a personal note, I think it's important that we're able to talk about this with one another. On a personal note, hugely discouraged this last week. Uh, When... The CDC's guidelines came out and this whole idea of like we might be wearing masks again. And it's not masks. It's not being able to fellowship around food and not having some people who, you know, knowing if we can gather in missional communities and the community that it seems like is lost and the intimacy that's lost and even the lack of planning. So we've got multiple leadership events that are coming up just one six weeks away September 18th we're expecting 100 to 150 leaders to be here from the southeast for saturate the south and we're hosting that event here with Jeff Vanderstelt and Jeff Schulte and we'll tell you more about that um, at the end of our service you'll want to be here it's going to be a great event Uh, in November 4th through the 8th we're hosting a Soma school along with the Refuge Church and Renewal two other Soma churches in town and so There'll be people traveling both nationally and internationally for that. And once again, we're at a point where we're like, okay, well, we'll see what happens. We'll take it day by day, right? And so once again, we're trusting Jesus and that's really all that we can do. But I just want to encourage us that as these new directives come out on Wednesday and we look at our protocols again, um, There is room for disagreement around this. These are not moral or ethical discussions. They're really not. Unless we choose to make them that. And I told Brad Strom this morning, if an Auburn and an Alabama fan can worship together, and if we can be family with Jesus, then anybody can, right? So I fully expect that there will be people with masks on and masks not on, and we will figure it out along the way, all right? And so, um, the last thing that I want to say is, this is temporary. It is. It is not going to be forever. And so, let's not let temporary circumstances distract us from what's eternal. And that's worshiping Jesus together. Amen? So, encourage you to talk about these things in your missional communities. Be honest. I hope you heard me say this morning that I was very sad and discouraged last week. And that doesn't mean that I'm not trusting Jesus. Okay? So, we, we can be both at the same time. Well, you've got your Bibles open to John 4. And we, we've come to the end of a series entitled, Follow Me, Learning How to Be with Jesus. And we've been in this series all summer. It's been um, non-typical for us. We usually get in a book of the Bible and just stay in it from chapter 1, verse 1, all the way through the end of the book. We don't miss anything. We hit all the hard teachings because we think that um, hard truths produce soft hearts. And so we preach through the Bible. But this last summer, 
We've been in a really practical series. It's been super simple at times. Where we've talked about things like, how do you hear from the Holy Spirit? Because if we're honest, we always, you know, people say they pray all the time. So there's nothing wrong with talking to God. But then when people begin to say that God spoke to them, we call them schizophrenic. And so how do we hear from God? How do we hear from God on a daily basis if he's put his spirit in our heart? So we've been asking these practical questions. Really quick, next week, we're finishing the series this week. Next week, we're going to share some vision with you. And typically, we would have a covenant partners meeting that would take place on a Sunday evening. We do a couple of those a year. That's our membership meetings. We're actually going to do that on a Sunday morning and share some information with all of you. 15 months ago, um, right kind of during the beginning of COVID, our associate pastor went to Independent Presbyterian Church where he began to pursue seminary. And so we lost our other full-time employee. And over the last 15 months, we've been seeking God for clarity. And we feel like just over the last couple of months that God's given us some clarity on several part-time hires. And we're excited about that. So we're going to share that with you uh, next Sunday, along with a plethora of other Things, some updates about our elementary and youth, good things that are going on within our missional communities, a couple of MC leaders that are multiplying out that we're going to be praying over. And so you don't want to miss next week. It's a lot of good things. And not Best of all, we're going to be baptizing uh, someone. We're going to be baptizing George Roberts. So really, really exciting. And if you, don't, if you know Jesus and you haven't been baptized, not too late. Come and talk to me this week. Um, then August 15th after that, we're going to jump into a series on Philippians. So school starts back, and I'm excited about that. Philippians is a great book for us to look at this fall and winter. It talks about the sufferings of Christ and the joy that comes in knowing Him. So I'm excited about Philippians. All of that. All right, today we're looking at John chapter 4. And I want to end this series with something that I think we miss oftentimes as Christians. It's really simple, but we miss it. If we follow Jesus, he will lead us to hang out with sinners. If we follow Jesus, he will lead us to become a friend of sinners. And we will find ourselves hanging out with people who are outcasts. We will find ourselves hanging out with people who live lives that are distinctly different from us in every way. You say, how do I know that? Because that's the way that Jesus lived his life. And to be honest, this goes against the majority of religious teachings that we received growing up. If you think about it, in a lot of ways, like guys... Don't date girls that smoke or drink or chew, right? Or go with girls that do. Guys don't do those things. Like we would oftentimes hear these silly little sayings. Guys don't smoke or drink or chew or go with girls that do. It's not bad dating advice, you know. But we can laugh about that when it comes to dating advice. But when it comes to the rest of the church, step back for a minute and look at the way in which we have set up the values Oftentimes for our children, so you go back and you look at our private schools and how many of them were, were started after segregation ended. Let's be honest. And then you start to see how many of our private religious institutions help our kids kind of operate in a bubble. And then we've got church sports leagues 
And then we've even got Christian chicken, right? We, we've adopted Chick-fil-A. It's like our, and we laugh about these things. But the truth of the matter is, before we know it, it becomes extremely odd and even weird for Christians to hang out and really be friends with people who don't know Jesus. And that's a problem. It's become the norm in the church today. The majority of Christians in America will never share the gospel with someone. They'll never share their story and see someone come to know Jesus. I've heard statistics that are as low as 3% that will actually share their story with someone and see someone else come to know Jesus. And we say it's the most important thing in our lives. We have no idea how to talk about him in everyday sort of life. We hear about him all the time. We talk about him in small groups. But then when we go into our workplace or when we hobby with people, we have no idea how to let the world of our faith interact with just everyday sort of life. And Jesus didn't do that. Jesus brought the, his good news. He was the good news. And so he... He took himself and he hung out with people so often that he was accused of being a drunkard and a glutton. I mean, he hung out with tax collectors. He hung out with prostitutes. He hung out with people that couldn't even come into the temple to worship. Lepers. They couldn't even come within the city. And Jesus hung out with these people. And I've got to think if, if Jesus walked the streets in Memphis today that Jesus would hang out with prostitutes. That Jesus would hang out with street people. That Jesus would hang out with some of the people that you work with that everyone else avoids. You know who I'm talking about. That person that you have at work that you're like, I hope they don't talk. Oh, here they come. I'm going to look busy. That person, Jesus would hang out with them. Because Jesus was a friend of sinners. This morning I want to look at John chapter 4. And I'm going to do something that's just really simple and practical. And some of y'all are going to dismiss it because it's too simple. And that's okay. But I want to share a model with you of how to share the gospel with someone. Because most of us, if we had a friend who said, How do you, how do you really know God? Has anyone ever asked you that before? The first or second week that I had moved back to Midtown, I got set up on this double date. Not really, but he was a guy. But my buddy Aaron, a friend from Nashville, had an old boyfriend. She said, this dude is great, but he doesn't know Jesus. I want you to get to know him. I didn't know anybody in town. I used it as an excuse. I was like, Aaron, you know all about Midtown, man. You got to educate me on Midtown. I'm trying to start a church here. He was like, I don't know anything about churches, but I know all about Midtown. We went to lunch, and by the end of lunch, Aaron said, I wish I had the kind of faith that you have. I wasn't brought up in all of this. I can count the number of times that I went to church on one hand. I think it was like three. He said, how do you come to know God? He asked me that. You're standing in a parking lot. If someone asks you, how do you come to know God, what would your answer be? Do you have an answer? 
I want to share with you a, a short model that you can use. And then we're going to look at a story in which Jesus shared. And then we're going to come back and we're going to worship together through communion. And your missional community is going to ask one of you, your missional community leader is going to ask one of you, would you share with us? All right, so there's a test at the end. So pay attention. You ready? So this is called three circles. And some of you have heard it before. But it simply goes like this. If you can remember three circles, you can remember a simple way to share the gospel with someone on a napkin. Three circles begins like this. It doesn't take us long to determine that our world is broken. You can just turn on the news or you can look at social media. And very quickly you see that our world is filled with death. It's filled with disease. And there is suffering all around us. But that is not the way that God intended for our world to operate. In fact, God had a very different plan. God's design was that of beauty. And we see that beauty from time to time. We see it in a child's laugh. We see it in a sunset. Like there are moments in life that remind us of the beauty of God. God created a perfect world, but man decided to go away from God. And man in the beginning sinned against God and he went his own way. And as a result of that, our world is broken. And no one likes to live in a broken world. And so there's, there's multiple ways that we try to get out of our brokenness. For some people, they try to get out of their brokenness through their career or work or good deeds. There's other people who try to get out of their brokenness through religion. They think that maybe they can be good enough that they can escape the brokenness that they find themselves in. There's others who the brokenness just becomes too much and so drugs or alcohol or maybe even suicide. They try to hide from the brokenness that's in this world. There's others who look to relationships and they think maybe relationships will solve the brokenness that they experience. But all of these things are kind of like bungee cords. They just snap us back into our brokenness. They don't help. But Jesus came and Jesus created a way that we can escape our brokenness. Jesus came into our world and he lived a perfect life. And he was crucified on the cross. And he died for our sins. And three days later, God raised him from the dead. And the Bible says that if we will simply repent and admit that we need a Savior, that Jesus will save us. And if we believe that Jesus came, the perfect man who was God, that he died on the cross for our sins and that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says that we can discover God's perfect design and that we can be people who are forgiven and loved and that we can celebrate all that God desires if we will look to Jesus and if we will declare him to be king of our life. If we will repent and say, Jesus, we need you. Will you forgive me? And if we will follow after him, God will bring us to a place where we discover his original design. Now I want to ask you, as you think about your life, it's really simple. You're either living in the world of God's original design or you're living in brokenness. Which of those two worlds do you find yourself in? Super simple way to share the gospel with someone. 
right? You remember three circles, you remember a broken line, you remember a heart, and you remember a cross. You could write that down on a napkin and you could share with someone how they can come to know Jesus. If you think that's silly, then let me just ask you the question, what's your model for sharing the gospel and when's the last time you told someone about what's most important in your life? All right, I made my point. John 4, look at verse 7 through 30. I'm going to point out two underlying truths that are really simple and then we're going to worship together through communion. John chapter 4, verse 7. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that's saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You're right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit. Those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, I know that Messiah is coming, He who is called Christ. When He comes, He'll tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am He. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman. But no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and they were coming to him. There's two underlying truths I want to just point out really quickly in this passage. The first is that Jesus hung out with the outcast. Jesus hung out with the outcast. Jesus intentionally traveled to Samaria. This was not a common path for the Jews. Instead, they would have gone out of their way not to go through the Samaritans' land because they hated Samaritans. I want to ask you, 
Who is it that you hate? Who is it that you go out of your way to avoid? That God may be calling you to examine your heart and your love for these people. Is it someone you avoid at work? Is it a family member? Is it a loved one? Who is it that you avoid? Maybe someone on, the str- on your street. Or someone who crosses your path on a regular, if not daily basis. That subconsciously you just try to avoid them. You've written them off. Jesus loved this woman who was so despised by everyone... Everyone around her despised her so much that she had to go to the well during the hottest portion of the day. She was so tired of all that she had to put up with if she went when other women were there and the rejection that came. Jesus loved her. He hung out with those who were outcasts. If we follow Jesus, he will lead us to be a friend of sinners. The second underlying truth is that Jesus satisfies Our greatest desire. He satisfied this lady's greatest desire. That's what he pointed to. Jesus met the woman at the point of her greatest need. Now think about that as you share the gospel with your friends. Think about that as you pray for individuals. What is their greatest desire and what is their greatest need? How is Jesus even better? Think about this woman. All of her life she had searched for a man who would bring her satisfaction. She had searched for a man who would bring her safety or security, especially in this culture. But I mean, six husbands? Come on. I mean, that's kind of a lot even for Hollywood today. Like, I don't think I've ever met anyone. Six husbands? She is looking for a man to satisfy. She's looking for love in all the wrong places. And every one of us do the same thing. We're no different than she is. We're all looking for satisfaction and for happiness, for something to solve the brokenness of our worlds. And only Jesus can satisfy. And people will only come to know Jesus if they hear about him. So we've got to talk about him. But I think that there are There are struggles that each of us have. There are difficulties and questions we have about sharing the gospel. And they're legitimate. Some of you grew up in denominations where sharing the gospel of Jesus or evangelizing others was presented to you in a very legalistic sort of way. As if to say, if you don't share the gospel with other people, if you don't evangelize others, then you really don't love God. As if your heart for God depended on what you did. And for some of you, you grew up in a denomination where this was so just kind of like stuffed down your throats that you've rejected it. I think for others of you, um, you've grown up in churches where it was just weird or awkward. And the people who were really fervent about sharing the gospel, they, you saw them doing it out of this kind of religious, militant sort of mentality and attitude. And you were just turned off to it. And you said, that's not for me. For some of you, you were forced or even taught to share the gospel in ways that they just didn't feel real to you. And you said, I'm not going to take what's so personal in me and the thing that 
is the most real, my relationship with Jesus and trying to fit it in this kind of, I don't know, box where it feels like I'm a used car salesman. Just not going to do it. Some of you have shared the gospel with people multiple times. And along the way, you've been rejected. And you're at a point where you're like, I'm just scared to go there anymore. I'm just not doing that. There's a whole other group of people. And I think there's another reason why. And I would even say this is, I won't say the majority, but it is many, many people who I talk to. You have no idea what your story is of how you came to know Jesus. No one's really helped you clarify it. I can't tell you how many people that I talk with who say, I've kind of always grown up in church. Great. What does that have to do with knowing Jesus? I've kind of always grown up in church. Look at a fit. Okay, so I want you to write some of these scriptures down. Because you need to know where to show someone how they come to know Jesus and why growing up in church doesn't mean anything. Flip over to Ephesians chapter 2. Look at verses 1 and 2. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Does attending church make you alive? No. Other people say, you know, I come from a really religious family. I hear that one a lot. Meaning, tell me more about that. Well, I've, I've got a grandmother who's just always prayed for me. And I, I attended church with her. And I went to vacation Bible school growing up. And as they talk, the more they talk about their faith, they're not talking about Jesus. They're talking about their grandmother. What do you do with that? That's good. Oh, Lord, that we would all have a Christian grandmother who would pray for us and drag us to church when we're little. Amen? When we're heathens and we're going to decide to stay home and watch TV. Oh, that we would all have a grandmother like that. But grandma can't save you. How do you know that? Well, listen to Jesus' words from Matthew chapter 15. Write this down. Matthew 15. Look at verses 18 and 19. Jesus says the problem is much deeper than what we do. Verse 18, but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. Jesus tells us that our problem isn't that we're not with our good deeds. Jesus says our problem begins in our heart. That there's something wrong with our natures. There's other people who say... I've just always known God. I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say that. I've just always known God. Look at Ephesians chapter 2 verse 3. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. Psalm 51.5. Flip over there. This is referenced a lot. Psalm 51.5. The psalmist says. 
And in sin did my mother conceive me. So there's a lot of people who think, well, I was conceived in sin, so that has to do with mom and dad. No, look at, look at the line before it. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. How was a child conceived and brought forth? How was a child sinful at birth? Well, it goes back to Ephesians 2, 3. By their nature. We are born into this world with original sin that comes from our original parents, Adam and Eve. It's passed along to us. And you know this if you've had a child. Them babies are sweet until they're not. Y'all know this. And some of y'all don't. Because y'all got four-year-olds telling y'all what to do. But it ain't sweet when they're 14. It's not. Children need people to lead them and guide them because they got evil, sinful little hearts. And if they don't come to know Jesus, they won't live life with us for all of eternity. Some people say, I've kind of always grown up in church. I come from a really religious family. I've just kind of always known God. Memphis, Tennessee. I got baptized over at the, you know... Uh, Kojic Church of I've got man when I'm talking with people on the street I cannot tell you how many times I've had conversations with young men multiple times on my front porch and say and I've said when in your life have you come to know Jesus and they've said they answered just like this it was like it was a fill in the blank oh I got baptized when I was a uh, 10 at what who said anything about baptism? So what scripture do you give someone if they say, well, I got baptized and that's their answer for how they came to know Jesus? Well, go back to Ephesians 2. You can pretty much just read Ephesians 2 to someone. Look at verses 8 and 9. Verse 8 says, For by grace you've been saved through faith. For by baptism you've been saved? No! By grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works like baptism. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. So take them to Ephesians 2. Baptism doesn't save us. We'll say it next Sunday when George is baptized. We'll say this is a symbol. It's a symbol. It's a symbol of what Jesus has done inside of us. And, and people will walk away and they will say, yeah, I need to trust God. I need to get baptized. No. And so how do we come to know Jesus? It's important that we look at sin in our lives. We can't come to know Jesus without examining our hearts. We can't come to know Jesus without Knowing our need for a Savior, and that involves repentance. That involves, I was walking in one direction. I was living my life. And repentance is not a scriptural word. It's a military word. And it simply means, and God got my attention, and I turned. And that's the first act of faith in which we begin to follow after God. And we give our lives to Him, and He saves us, and He reconciles us. And he makes us right with the Father. And all that shattered in our lives is forgiven. We can't come to know God without looking at sin and looking at repentance. 
But I think one of the places, and I'm going to end with this, one of the places where we most often go wrong is this idea that if you don't share your faith, it's because you're scared or you aren't courageous enough. I don't believe that. I don't think the primary motivation in Jesus' heart was that he was being courageous when he went and he met with this woman. I think his primary motivation was love. It was John Piper in his book, Let the Nations Be Glad, who pointed out that missions exist because worship doesn't. And worship in the end is all about love. Because we worship what we love. And so mission ultimately exists because love is missing. And love comes from the heart. A heart that's been restored and a heart that's seeking after Jesus. And we can't generate that kind of love. We can't. But God can give it to us. He's shown us that kind of love in the person of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit empowers us with that kind of love. And so I don't think we have an evangelism problem. Honestly, I think we have a love problem. And it begins with loving Jesus more than pleasing anyone else. Last week we were, um, two weeks ago we were in, in Charleston, South Carolina. Can't be in Charleston without just seeing the history that's still there. 40% of slaves in the United States came through that harbor. So there's a horrible history associated with that city. And as we were there and um, just a lot of things that were taking place, uh, Katie and I talked, we both felt the same way that, that God was just reminding us of how much he loves people. And I was just reminded that I don't love Memphis enough. That it's really easy for me to, to look down on Memphis. And it's really easy for me to kind of talk bad about Memphis. And, and I was just reminded God desperately loves this city. And when I talk bad about Memphis, I'm talking bad not about a city but about God's people that he desires that they would come to know him. And so I, I want to challenge you. There's just a few of us who are here this week. There's a few more that are watching our live stream who couldn't be here today. I want to challenge us that we would do something. Would you commit to pray for someone that God puts on your heart for the next seven days? Think for just a minute. Who is it? that instantly comes to mind who doesn't know Jesus, that you regularly interact with. It may be a co-worker. It may be a neighbor. It may be someone in your family. Would you commit for the next seven days to begin to pray for them? And if you had the opportunity on a little napkin that you could draw three circles... And that you could say, you know what? It doesn't take long for us to see that our world is very broken. You can look at the news. You can open social media. And very quickly you see that there is death. And that there is frustration. And there is disease. And there is brokenness all around us. God didn't intend it to be that way. God created a paradise. A world that was filled with beauty. And we see it from time to time. We see it in a child's laugh. We see it in a sunset. We see God's beauty break through but our world is broken because man left God's original intention and man sinned 
And because of our sin, we live in a world that's broken. And we try all kinds of ways to come back to God. We try through our career and our good deeds. We try through some of our relationships. We try through religion. We even try through things like alcohol and drugs and even suicide sometimes. In order to escape the realities of this world that's broken. But all of those things snap us back into this world. And there's only one thing that can save us from our brokenness. His name is Jesus. And Jesus came into my life. And here's my story. You can tell this in any way you want to share it. Okay, this is just the easiest way that I've ever seen. But Jesus came into my life when I was six years old. And I saw that I needed to repent of my sins. And I did not want to spend eternity apart from my friends and family who knew Jesus. The Bible and Jesus clearly say that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That we all have sin in our life. And I didn't want to spend eternity in a place that Jesus describes as weeping and gnashing of teeth. Do you realize, hell, do you realize how infrequently we talk about hell today? You want to know why the church doesn't share the good news of Jesus? Because Joel Olstein refuses to say hell. And don't pick on Joel. About 90% of pastors refuse to say that Jesus talked about hell frequently. And he said that it is a place that is apart from God. He described it as weeping and gnashing of teeth. Meaning that when God is not there, it is a sorrowful place. And it is a place filled with anger or you gnash your teeth. Because his grace is void from that place. We don't talk about that. But Jesus came into my life and I repented of my sins and just prayed a simple prayer and just said, Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need you to save me. And I didn't even really understand what all that meant. But I said, Jesus, I want you to be king of my life. And Jesus, man, he saved me and he changed me. And he gave me a heart for him. And everything about my life is different because of Jesus. He is my Savior and he is my Lord and he is my friend. And he is the person who matters the most to me. Could you do that? Could you share someone about brokenness and God's design and Jesus and ask them, what world do you find yourself in? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your gospel. Jesus, you made it so clear. You showed up in person. And Jesus, you came on our behalf. God, I pray that um, you would help us this week. As, God, as we pray for our friends and co-workers and even family members who don't know you. God, we sharing something on a napkin can't save anyone. Quoting scriptures can't save anyone. God, it's only by your spirit that you draw men and women and children to yourself. Father, would you do that? Would you begin to change the fabric of our city? God, not because of government or not because of uh, all the other things that we give time and attention to. But God, would you begin to change the hearts and lives and the trajectory of families and generations because individuals bow their knee and recognize you as king. God, would you give us opportunities to love people enough to share them what matters most to us. God, we look forward to seeing how you're going to move in our lives over the next seven days. God, I believe you're going to save someone. 
Father, I pray if there's someone who's here today, who's watching on the live streamer, who's sitting here today, who, God, they've hung around religion, they've hung around you, but they've never come to a moment in their life where they've repented of their sins and they've placed their faith in you and they said, Jesus, I want you to be king. God, I pray they come and talk to me today. Pray they talk to their missional community leader. Pray they talk to a friend who brought them here today and that they would bow their knee and come to know you and their life would be forever changed by the amazing news of the gospel. Jesus, thank you that you've given us the greatest mission in the world to share your good news. Jesus, thank you that we can worship you as king. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. I'm going to invite you to gather with your missional community, missional community leaders, on the buffet in the back, there's some sheets of paper and a pen. If you want to grab those and have somebody volunteer to share three circles, do that. And then, we're going to, and then worship together through communion. That'll be our reminder of the gospel this week. And then the band's going to lead us in one last song here in about seven minutes. All right. If you're not part of a missional community, you're going to see some groups forming around the room. Just find a group that's close to you and jump in. talk about sharing our stories and sharing God's love with others. I'm reminded of uh, a uh, time back in uh, a few years ago. Um, I had a friend and uh, he actually passed away with pancreatic cancer. But um, his funeral it was, it was really a celebration of God. And, um, we all just worshiped with our tears flowing down our face, but songs of joy flowing from our lips. So I just, I ask that you would worship him in every moment of your day, knowing that there's going to be times where it's going to be hard. And uh, there's going to be times where you have opportunities to share, where you're going to get scared and decide you don't want to do that. Uh, to be completely honest and candor with you, I was going to share this right before we did the first song, but I myself got too scared to do so. But throughout the sermon, uh, God is prompting me to share that with you. Um, even in the hardest of times and through the tragedies of life, we can use those as opportunities to worship God. And um, so I just ask that you do that for me with this last song.
real quick before we take off. Man, I could have kept worshiping. Would y'all thank our musicians for leading us this morning? And uh, I want to say a big thanks to Robert and Samantha. They were up here for a couple hours yesterday doing a deep clean. So thank y'all for that. Um, we got a lot of great volunteers. Hey, real quick, grab your calendars. Saturate the South event is September 18th. Mercy Hill Church is hosting that. We're going to have 100 to 150 leaders from across the Southeast who will be here. Jeff Schulte uh, was with us uh, a while back for a marriage retreat. He runs 10-man ministries in Nashville. Uh, Jeff Vanderstelt um, started... Um, the Soma Family of Churches, this network that we're a part of. Those two guys, they're writing a book together. Um, this is going to be the first time they've shared this material. Um, Schulte's had, uh, he's had cancer and he's been going through chemo and then Vanderstelt's been on a sabbatical. So this is going to be the first time they're coming together to share uh, gospel fluency and emotional health and how those things are so important for Christians. You are not going to want to miss it. It's going to be great. It's going to be on a Saturday. We need about a dozen volunteers. Samantha's going to be in the back. She's signing people up today. She'll be signing volunteers up for the next month. Uh, we need volunteers that are checking people in through Eventbrite. Uh, there's a host of different things in which we need volunteers for as we host. So we want to be good hosts to people who are coming in from across the southeast. And um, if you would, if you're a volunteer, you get in for free. And so talk to Samantha. And then also, um, as you sign up, we'll get the links out to you. You can find this uh, event registration on saturatetheworld.com. And the promo code is all one uh, word in, in uh, lowercase letters, Soma Family. Tickets go from 45 to $6. So you probably want to remember that, Soma Family. But we'll get you those promo codes out and uh, let you sign up. Um, Michael's got an announcement for you. We are looking for more AV volunteers and more musical volunteers. People with a heart for Jesus who want to use their uh, tools that they've been given uh, to worship Him through either helping to make things sound uh, good or look good on the screen, which obviously that's not the most important thing. But also people who have musical ability, whether you sing in the shower and you think, oh, that sounds pretty good, or uh, you can play guitar, but you've never done it in person. Uh, we'd love to see or hear those talents. Uh, we need more people like you. So uh, if you're interested in that, come and talk to me, and we'd love to, love to get you involved. Or if you've been hiding like Jason, who's been playing with us forever, and this morning he shows up and goes, I could play keys, and we all go, what? And you don't play keys? And he's like, I took piano lessons when I was in the sixth grade. <laughs> hate people like that. So, um, last and not least, baptism next Sunday. Woo! Georgia Roberts is getting baptized. If you're a follower of Jesus, you've never been baptized, we'd love to talk to you about that. Um, we'd love to see you be baptized. Our benediction today comes from Colossians chapter 4. Let me invite you to extend your hands and receive it. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Be blessed. You're dismissed. <laughs>